gentlemen, we now come to the moment we've all been waiting for, the presentation of this year's award to Tess Harding. Sam Craig, wherever you are, listen, you son of a bitch. Listen to that. This gracious, well-known public figure we've admired for so long. Sam Craig, wherever you are, you arrogant, ill-tempered, brutish, insensitive, chauvinist son of a bitch. Listen to that. achievements in the many fields of her endeavor. It's my night, Sammy. All mine, Sammy, and you can't give it your well-known whammy. The nominee committee consisting of Miss Vaughn Vickers, Miss Vi Langford, and Miss Kate Johnson were unanimous in their choice of this year's celebrated winner. The ladies are singing my praises, led by the chairman pro dem. I'm not gonna listen to you, Sam. Speak up, girls, don't be shy, speak up! What a charge, Kate, in the atmosphere. Fifty bucks a plate for the woman of the year. Look alive, more keep the day is clear. While they all applaud for the woman of the year. She's charming, she's attractive, she's gifted. And younger than you thought she was, too. She's never had a single thing lifted. She's a cunning little devil, and tonight you give the devil a Don't be shy by when she does appear. Give a big shrine, let her know you're here. Let your foot stamp for the new champ. She's met Brezhnev, tough nut Brezhnev. She's slept at Buckingham Palace, saw the scholar walk up by Callus, took tea with Gertrude and Alice. And if you knew Nehru like she knew Nehru, oh, oh, what a girl. She's a pimp. Pat, she's a pioneer. She's the pussy cat that we're here to cheer. She's a big cheese. Will you rise, please? As we honor her career in contemporary life, as a writer and a fighter and a leader and a wife, and Sam Craig, wherever you are, though you think I'm a sham, take your power, Shazam. And go stuff it and scram, cause god damn it, I am the woman of the year. Listen to that! Hi, I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. 
Opening at the Palace Theater March 29, 1981, with music by John Kander, lyrics by Fred Ebb, and a book by Peter Stone. Based on the screenplay by Ring Lardner Jr. and Michael Kanan, Woman of the Year was Lauren Bacall's triumphant return to the Broadway musical stage, 11 years after her Tony Award-winning turn in the All About Eve musical, Applause. The film's plot is about the relationship between Tess Harding, an international affairs correspondent chosen Woman of the Year, and Sam Craig, a sports writer who meet, marry, and encounter problems as a result of her unflinching commitment to her work. In the musical adaptation, Bacall played a TV anchor woman, and Harry Guardino, in the role created by Spencer Tracy, became a newspaper cartoonist. The contemporary production was squarely set in the Reagan-esque 1980s, which may be one reason for the rarity of its being revived these days. Nevertheless, with a catchy and tuneful score by Kander and Ebb, and a genuine star at the center of this star vehicle, Woman of the Year was an audience pleaser even after the original star left the production and was replaced by the likes of Raquel Welsh and Debbie Reynolds. It was in this film that Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy met and began a lifelong relationship. Reportedly, Hepburn's first words to Tracy were, quote, Mr. Tracy, I believe I'm too tall for you, unquote. Hepburn was five foot nine and Tracy was five ten and a half. Producer Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who was nearby, said, quote, Don't worry, Kate, he'll soon cut you down to size, unquote. Tracy and Hepburn set the model for their on-screen chemistry with this story, and their electricity is evident in this radio adaptation of the film. This being the non-musical version of the story, as with our opening, we'll be peppering in tunes from the Broadway musical version throughout. Here now, on the April 19th, 1943 episode of the Screen Guild Theater, are Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, starring in Woman of the Year. Astor presents the Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild play tonight, Woman of the Year. The starring players... This is Catherine Hepburn. This is Spencer Tracy. Tonight, Lady Astor presents the Screen Guild players in one of the screen's outstanding stories, Woman of the Year, with the original stars, Spencer Tracy as Sam Craig and Katherine Hepburn as Tess Harding. Woman of the Year is the story of a career woman who placed her career ahead of everything else until she lost her husband. And then, that Sam Craig will tell you the story. 
I don't imagine I have to tell you who Tess Harding is. A girl that's a famous radio commentator with a syndicated newspaper column is almost public property. Number two outstanding woman in the country next to Mrs. Roosevelt when all this started. And I guess it wouldn't have started if she hadn't done a guest appearance on one of those radio quiz shows. She certainly knew all the answers that night. History, politics, international law, until a question on sports popped up. What is the most frequently run distance in American athletics? Miss Harding? That stumped her, all right. One of the other experts answered it. Ninety feet. Correct. Ninety feet, Miss Harding, is the distance between home plate and first base. Thousands of men and boys run it every day. Really? Seems like a frightful waste of energy, doesn't it? <laughs> what would you suggest? Uh, should we abolish baseball for the duration? Yes, I think that's an excellent idea. Oh, now, look here. I'm afraid that's all we have time for tonight. While I'm computing this evening's score... Now, that made me sort of mad, I guess. You see, I write a column, too. Man About Sports by Sam Craig. Same paper as Tess Harding, as a matter of fact, though we'd never met. The sports department is way up on the fifth floor. Anyway, next morning, I let her have it. I wrote, Miss Harding, when it comes to baseball, is the calamity Jane of the fast international set. And my column must have touched her nerve, too, because she up and answered in hers. Mr. Sam Craig, in this global emergency, must best be described as an ostrich with amnesia. Miss Harding might remember what the Duke of Wellington said about sports. He gave out that Waterloo was won on the playing fields of Eton. Mr. Craig cites Wellington's observation to demonstrate, no doubt, that he was once exposed to grammar school history course. Tess Hardy is so busy telling people what to do, she probably never takes time to get out and meet some of them. If she just... Yeah? Oh, hello, Mr. Clayton. Okay, yes, sir, I'll be right down. Hmm, the boss, no less. the best thing to do is to get you both in here. This paper can't afford any intramural scraps. Besides, it's getting to the point where... Sam, you'd better look at me while I'm talking, not Miss Harding. Yes, sir. Well, how about it? You ready to kiss and make up? I'll kiss. I don't know about making up. You, Tess? You willing to quit? Well, sure. I'm always willing to quit when I'm losing. Now, you know you can't stay mad at a girl like that. Especially when she's in her 20s and sort of pretty. All right, she's very pretty. I followed her out of Clayton's office, and the first thing I knew, I was trying to make a date. I had to go to the ballpark anyway. It was the last game of the series, and I, I asked her if maybe she'd like to come along. And can you imagine? She did. You, uh, you get the best view, you see, from these press boxes. Are you, are you comfortable? Yeah, thanks, very. Hiya, Sam. Hi, hi, Phil. That's Phil. He's on the Chronicle, too. Oh, you mean our paper sends two men to cover just this one baseball game? Why not? It's a World Series. We only had one man in Vichy. Are they still in the league? Well, here they go, here they go. Now, now, you see, the cards are up first, and when they make three outs, that's the inning. See, and then, then the Yankees come to bat. I see, and then they've got to make three outs. That's right. And each team has nine innings. Uh-huh. But uh, wouldn't it always come out even if each team makes the same number of outs? No. No. You see, an out is, uh, it's, uh, well, it's an out. The final score depends on the runs made in between the outs. Now, here comes the first St. Louis batter. Now, he's got to hit the ball and get as far around the bases as possible. Mm -hmm. If he gets all around the bases, that's a run for his team. Mm -hmm. He's got to hit the ball. Yeah. Unless the pitcher makes him miss, of course. 
Yeah, uh, which one is the pitcher? Well, uh, uh, he's the fellow in the middle. Now, watch the batter. Watch the batter. He missed. One out. No, no, no. That's a strike. He gets two more. Why? Well, because... I don't know. Just because he does. Are you kidding me? Well, how could that be a strike? He didn't even swing at it. No, well, he doesn't have to, you see. As, as long as it's over the plate between his knees and his shoulders. Oh, why doesn't the batter stoop down and fool the pitcher? Because he does, uh, he's, uh, look, look now. Maybe you better not get too much in one dose. I'll sort of ration it out as we go along. Nothing less. What's funny? <laughs> Nothing. You're wonderful. Of course, and you know. Yeah, I wasn't sure until now. I guess I had you mixed up with some other girl. Your name is... Uh... Uh, Harding. Tessie Harding. Yeah, glad to know you, Tessie. Call me Sam. A hit! It's a hit! Yeah, it might be that homer. Now no, it hit the top of the fence. Two men coming in. Come on, Joe! Slide, Joe. Hit the dust. We win. We win. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. What is it? He's out at home. It's the end of the inning. Then the score's tied. Like a wet shoelace. Oh, that's a shame. Well, we almost won. Come on, I'll have to hurry. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The game's not over yet. It isn't over. You said nine innings. Yeah, yeah, but you see, in case of a tie, they play on until somebody wins. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Really, I am, but I've, I've got a broadcast. I'm late already. You don't have to come. You stay here if you want to. No. Well, I should, I should think you'd want to go. I don't want to go. Well, I couldn't let you tackle the subway alone. Come on. <laughs> our first date. And for a while, I was afraid it might be our last. Every time I tried to drag Tess out, she was up to her ears in teletypes or long-distance phones or foreigners. She spoke eight languages. I think all of them were pretty much Greek to me, but... So I was mighty surprised when she called me up one day. She had to go to Washington, she said, and would I like to drive her to the plane? Oh, boy, would I? Only she forgot to mention that her secretary, a chap named Gerald, would be along. And her Aunt Ellen, too. Miss Ellen Whitcomb, the famous suffrage leader. A wonderful woman, as a matter of fact. But she wasn't exactly the one I wanted to talk to. You know, uh, Tess has always been that way, even when she was a little baby. Was Tess once a baby? Oh, oh to begin with, they were in China when her mother died. I went out to take care of her, and I've done it ever since. It's uh, quite a job. Yeah, yeah. Everybody ought to have a job. No, I mean looking after Tess. Think uh, you could handle an assignment like that? Do you? Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was watching Tess over there on the telephone, you see, and I... Well, I mean, uh, I... Yes, yes, of course. Uh, there was something she had to tell the governor. You're telling me. Not yet, but I might sometime. Sam! Oh, Sam! Oh, which reminds me, there's something I've got to say to Gerald. Excuse me, please. Sure. Gosh darn it all, the governor was out. I have to call him from Washington. Sam, I hope we're not taking too much of your time. No, 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 no. It keeps me off the streets and out of the pool rooms. What's... What's the matter? Nothing. Sure? No, not a thing. Except I don't know why I'm here. I can't figure you, Tessa. What are you trying to prove? But, Sam, I... Gerald, you know, could have shuffled you down here. Why did you have to ask me? I... I thought you might want to kiss me goodbye. Hey. Now are you sorry you drove me down? Now are you sorry you asked me? Well... Miss Harding. Uh, I... I... Uh, what, what, Gerald? Well, you'll have to hurry. They're holding the plane. <laughs> Thank you.
And the trouble is, a fellow like me, I'm, I'm not used to being off base. Not, not that I should be bending your ear, Miss Whitcomb, just because you let me drive you home. Oh, it's been a lovely ride. By the way, where can I drop you, Miss Whitcomb? You can drop the Miss Whitcomb. It always sounds like a reproach. I'll bet it is, too, to a lot of men who should have known better. Sam, we're talking about you. Felt this way long? No, not very. For a dissatisfied guy, I'm pretty satisfied. You like your work, don't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. I get a kick out of people, seeing them, writing about them. Pretty unimportant people, though. Maybe that's what makes me an unimportant guy. It makes you a very important guy. You're a normal human being, Sam. Just tried to lead a normal life. Sounds fine to me. Trouble is, how do you go about arranging it? You mean, how do you go about arranging it? Yeah. Well, I'd say, marry the girl. All right, I will. I mean, I'll give it a try when she gets back from Washington. Sam, I think that's what I like about you best. Even on a rainy night, you can always get a cab. You're maudlin. You've had too much to drink. Not me. Nobody's ever drunk me under. Pop used to win bets on me when we lived in Cairo. You certainly used to get around. All over the world. Pop was troubleshooting for the State Department. When the war broke out, they called him home, and I came with him. No, no. That wasn't when you came home. I was there when you did. That day at the ball game. Was fun. Fun being with the crowd, huh? Not just telling them. Kind of thought it had something to do with being with you. Yeah? Why me? Look, Sam. I'm looking. What do you see? Right now? Right now. The funny kid who's wearing my hat. It's a frowsy old hat. And it's raining. A kid I ran into at the ball game. Name of Tessie. I knew you by the freckles on your nose. So the first person that's mentioned them since I was 12. I like it. Trouble is, they don't show most of the time. Maybe you'll bring them out, Sam. Look, Tess. I'm looking. Well, what? Well, I mean, uh, look, Tess, I... Uh... Hey, you! Ain't you got no eyes? Traffic certainly is getting awful. Seems we're in something of a snow. You were saying? Yeah, yeah, uh... Tess, there, there's something I've got to get off my chest. I'm too heavy? No, no, no. No, keep your head where it is. You see, it's like, uh, well, like that picture of you up over your fireplace. You like it? It's beautiful, but it's too high to reach. I'm not. You haven't kissed me in ever so long, at least 30 cents on the meter. Tess, look, I, I, I... Hey, you are, folks. Well, wh- wh- what do you know? We're home. Go on, now, you dash inside. You're coming in, too, aren't you? Remember, you've got something to tell me. Yeah. Ain't you going in there with her? Not me. Look, Cabby, get me back to Pinky's, will you? Right away, I think I need another drink. Mr. Craig. Yeah. Oh, hello, Gerald. Miss Harding asked me to give you this. My chapeau. Hmm. Yeah, uh, did she say anything? Well, just to tell you, here's your hat. What's your hurry? She did? Anything else? Well, I'm afraid she's rather busy right now. Dr. Lubeck's escaped from a concentration camp. Nobody seems to know where he is. That's too bad. Who is he? Ladin Lubeck, the Yugoslavian statesman. Miss Harding knew him very well, and she's worried about whether he got away. Where is she doing her worrying, do you know? Well, she's in the wire room right... Mr. Craig, you're not going to disturb her. I am not sure that that's the word for it, Gerald. Try me again in about five minutes. Well, 
Have they found him yet? UP has him in Moscow and AP has him in Lisbon, both at the same time. That's all for a while. I... Oh. Hello. Hello. Did anyone ever tell you your manners left much to be desired? Tess, listen. There goes the teletype. The devil with it. Tess, don't you know why I... No, I don't know why you... Will you marry me, Tess? Tess, anything happening? Plenty. Great. Can't a man have some privacy when he's proposing? Sam, you're sure it's what you want? Don't you? I've always sworn I wouldn't. It was the frightening idea of getting tied down, but I guess there's one thing I didn't figure on. What? You, Sam. And so ends Act One of Metro-Golden-Mayer's Woman of the Year, starring Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. In just a moment, we'll hear Act Two. But first, here's a word from our hostess, Lady Esther. There's a milliner in New York who has an enormous following. Hundreds of smart women go to her for their hats. And not only because her hats are so unusual, either. No, there's another very interesting reason as well. Her mirrors aren't made of just plain glass. They're made of delicately tinted glass. And as women look in these mirrors, their skin suddenly seems to look so smooth, so flawless. Now, you don't need to use specially tinted mirrors to see this transformation take place in the appearance of your skin. If you want a softer, a younger-looking skin, just try Lady Esther Face Powder. Many of the best-known and most beautiful models in America use Lady Esther Face Powder because of its unusually flattering tones. They say it gives their skin a delicate, tissue-like finish instead of a dry and powdery look. Lady Esther shades are the softer, more subdued and creamy shades that do so much for the appearance of a woman's skin. There are no grayish, yellowish tones that often make the skin seem older, even a little hard. My shades are deliberately planned to flatter your skin the way a delicately tinted mirror does. And I get these subtle shades by blowing color and powder together my own patented way, by hurricanes. Lady Esther powder is blended by the tremendous speed and power of hurricanes. That's why it's so smooth. That's why it covers up little lines, covers up little blemishes. If you want that thrill of looking in your mirror and seeing your skin look suddenly a lot softer and more feminine, change to Lady Esther face powder. Hi, this is Porchlight Audience Services Manager, August Compton. Thank you for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. Sometimes a day goes by One whole entire day When I don't think of her Twenty-four hours pass I look around and find that I Haven't thought of her 
It's hardly every day It's most unusual, in fact I can't remember when But sometimes a day goes by When I don't think of her Till morning comes And then There she is Again I'll see you Should I stayed Well look guys It's quarter That's right, I can't think anymore Look, 23, 24, 50, my fortune is made Good night, Sam Good night, Pinky Night, Sam I'm sorry, guys I'll see you, huh? Right, Sam Good night Night, Abby on the second act of Woman of the Year, starring Katherine Hepburn as Tess Harding and Spencer Tracy as Sam Craig. And so we were married. Sam Craig, the mug who wrote a column on sports, and Tess Harding, the international brain trust girl. Of course, the wedding was a little rushed by a justice of the peace in between calls to Lisbon and London trying to locate that Dr. Lubeck. But anyway, we were married and headed for home. Yeah, to her home, naturally. Yes, I objected, all right, but I might have known what Tess would say. Darling, I have a lease, and my place is so established. Everyone knows the address and phone number. Don't you see what a mess I'd be in if we moved suddenly? There it was. Take it or leave it. And I took it. Only I didn't exactly know what I was up against. I found that out one night, our wedding night. I was taking a shower. I didn't even hear the doorbell ring. Then I put on my robe and walked into the bedroom and... uh, Something I didn't dream to see. Tess, it's so good to be here. 
Hey. Come in, Sam. It's quite all right. It's all right. Who is this guy? Alma let him in. It's Dr. Lubeck. Sam, it's wonderful. He made it. He has a great sense of timing. Dr. Lubeck, this is my husband. Oh, Tess, I'm so happy for you. Please come, Mr. Harding. Join with us here by the bed. I don't like to intrude. I'm... Oh, no, no, not at all. Sit here, Sam, and hold my hand. Dr. Lubeck came straight here from the clipper. It's a wonderful break. The first real inside dope on the Balkan smash-up. Smash-up? Oh, you don't know this. Wait, I want to take notes. Sam, I can hold your hand later. Tess, you understand the checks. Must know that... He says they'll never have made subdued. Shishleli sme onyekolika lide, sympatitski knatsim. Oh, ovšem mi višme, že to bile zraci, njenecke krisi ve višoki mište. He's telling about the Nazi infiltration. Oh, the bell, that must be Franja. Franja, is he coming too? He's oh. the Czechoslovakian consul, Sam. We had to call him. Oh, yes, and General Huzar can partake in crash, of course. Oh, really? They're all coming tonight? <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam, isn't this the most thrilling night of your life? It isn't certainly it? is. I've got goose pimples. <laughs> that should have been the tip off, I guess. I never had a chance. I was lost in the shuffle of world events. There were whole days when Tess didn't know I was in the house. Had a couple of spats, too, but I wrote those off to readjustment. And I think I'd have taken a whole lot more. Only two things happened, and both on the same day. I was sleeping late that morning, Tess had insisted, though I couldn't quite savvy all that sudden solicitude. And then, when I woke up... Good morning. Well, I must have overslept by... You, you stay right where you are. I brought you a tray. Hey, what is this? Breakfast, bacon, just the way you like it, eggs, just right, cold orange juice. Okay, okay. Let's have a test. Well, well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> there is something I'd like to talk to you about. Yes, I gathered that. Let's have it. Darling. What? Um, well, are, are you perfectly satisfied about us? What do you mean by satisfied? Well, I mean, do you think that maybe we've had so much friction lately because there's only two of us? Could be. What? What would you think about a child? What would I think about... Did, did you think I'd have to be sold on it? Well, I wasn't sure. The sooner, the better. It's already been done. It's al already been... I don't... Uh, well, gosh, Tess, <laughs> I hope it's a boy. It is a boy. How do you... Who? <laughs> I don't quite see uh, It's a how Greek boy. Do... A Greek boy, a refugee. He's ours. A Greek boy. Now, wait a minute, Tess. I had to, Sam. I'm chairman of the refugee committee, and someone suggested I ought to take the first one, so I did. I took Chris. Sorry, Tess. It's no dice. But, Sam, you, you said you wanted a child. I thought you meant a child of our own. Now, this little Greek kid would be a swell addition, but as a substitution, he won't do. Sam, we can't send him back. I'd look absolutely ridiculous. And it isn't just a question of pride. I want to help. Of course. Your heart is in this. Your heart is in everything you do. But if you could spare maybe 10% of that heart from the world at large and apply it right here at home. Yes? Who? Oh, it's Gerald. He wants to read you something off the teletype. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Gerald. What? No. Really? Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah, thanks, of course. Yes, later. What's up, another check on Sam, Sam, they've just named me America's Outstanding Woman of the Year. It was on the teletype. And they're going to give me a plaque at the banquet next week. Isn't it perfectly wonderful, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, I guess 
Congratulations from me, too. Well, there it was. The woman of the year. Only I figured she wasn't a woman at all. Just a human receiving set for hot foreign flashes. Perhaps I might have felt different if I'd heard the speech she made at the banquet. Receiving this plaque is the second most exciting moment of my life. Most exciting will be when I take it home and show it to my husband, Sam Craig. But I didn't hear it, you see. I, I wasn't there. I couldn't see myself as the outstanding husband of the outstanding woman of the year. By that time, I was pretty well fed up with the whole business anyway, so I ducked the banquet. And while they were applauding Tess, I was cleaning my things out of the apartment, making the break clean and sharp. Anyway, that's what I thought. Those next few days were mighty tough for both of us, I guess. Miss Harding, that international forum's only ten days off. We better get started on your speech. Not now, Gerald. I, I don't feel much like work today. Say, Sam, the champ finishes training tomorrow. You gonna do a story on it? No, no. Maybe you better cover it, Phil. I'm a little on the rough edge. Gerald, are you sure? No other calls? No, just Dr. Lubeck and the British Council, Miss Harding. Are you expecting any other? No, not expecting. Not really. A newspaper switchboard is pretty busy, Helen. I thought maybe she called me and you forgot. I didn't know you were in, Sam. She did call this morning. For me? No, but I was going to tell you anyway. She left a forwarding address. She's gone up to visit her aunt in Vermont. Scarcely touched your food. Doesn't matter, Aunt Ellen. I'm not hungry. You weren't hungry last night either. Or this morning. Or this noon. I think I'm tired. All that tramping in the snow. <laughs> you know, I've almost forgotten how to walk. You've been too busy flying. It's time you came down to earth. Darling, you're not going to start that again. I most definitely am. I keep wondering, will that plaque satisfy you for a while? Or will you go on to become the outstanding woman of the generation? You did. I wasn't married to Sam Craig. What difference does my being married make? A lot. The difference between you and me. Silly. You could have had any man you wanted. Yes, any man but one. He thought I was too important. He was afraid to ask. Well, you... You never told me that. Darling, I'm sorry. Yes, so am I, Tess. I've been sorry for 20 years. But... But if you felt that way, why didn't you let him know? I did. I was on a speaking tour. I wired him from Chicago. He wired back that he had just announced his engagement to someone else. Darling. I think you want something more than that out of life. Newspaper clippings, speeches, a few fine letters. They aren't enough, Tess. A dozen plaques won't be enough if you're lonely. I'd never thought of that. Well, you'd better think of it now. Hmm. And that's positively the last word I'll say on the subject. And now, uh, for the time you're here, what can I do to make you happy? I don't know. Maybe you've done it already. Done what? What do you mean? I mean, well, you wired. I'm going to use the phone. Yes, I, I know, Sam, but, but I've been trying to reach you ever since dinner. But they told me I could get you at... What? No, I can't hear a word. No, it doesn't matter. I... I just wanted to tell you I'm coming home. Grand Central, 8.30 tomorrow morning. What? What? Goodbye, Sam. What did he say, Tess? Not very much. 
He's covering that big fight at the garden. It's terribly important, you know. Well, of course. But didn't he even say he loved you? How could he? One of the fighters just fell in his lap. Sam, we should have walked and saved the money. It's just a short way from the station. You're forgetting, aren't you? I'm Sam Craig. Rain or snow, I deliver the cab. That calls for a kiss, Sam. Mm. Oh. Hey, you shortchanged me. <laughs> that was only 15 cents by the meter. Well, I have to be careful with your money if I give up my job. Give up your job? I've done a lot of thinking, Sam. Aunt Ellen showed me I haven't been a woman or a wife or anything, but I will. By giving up your job? We'll move out of my place. Of course, we'll, we'll get a little house out of town. I'll make it a real home for you. Honestly, I will. And cook and sew and order the groceries. Yeah, yeah. And drive me to the station every morning. Yes, Sam? You're not talking sense. But, darling... You're off your beat. It wouldn't work. You couldn't make it work, Tess. Sam. Sam, I'm so glad you said that. I would have tried. Really, I would, but I'd have been miserable. Yeah, me too. You know, the trouble with you is that you always go to extremes. First, you want to be just Tess Harding. Then you want to be just Mrs. Sam Craig. Now, what's the matter with being Tess Harding Craig? Nothing's the matter with it. It's a wonderful name. Tess Harding Craig. Sam, you better kiss me so I won't forget. That's not such a tough assignment. You don't know. I want you to hold it, Sam, till the meter says $64. <laughs> curtain falls on the Lady Esther Screen Guild Players Radio presentation of the Woman of the Year. Our sincere appreciation to our two stars and a fine supporting cast for their excellent performances tonight. In just a moment, you will hear about next week's program, but first I'd like you to listen to a few words from one of our best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Do you know that once women were ashamed to admit they used anything to help their appearance? They thought it wasn't quite nice to improve on nature. So there were a lot of very plain, unattractive women in those days. But now there are almost no plain women at all. There are only women who don't know how to make themselves look beautiful. Do you know, for example, that the face powder you use can either make your skin look dry, hard, and lifeless, or it can do just the opposite? It can make your skin look so radiantly fresh and alive that people instinctively turn to admire you. Lady Esther face powder is deliberately planned to make your skin look more youthful and more feminine, to make you look a lot more attractive. And here's why Lady Esther face powder is so flattering. It isn't just mixed in the usual way. It's blown by twin hurricanes, blown with the speed and force of hurricanes until all the tiny particles of color and powder are merged in a smooth and perfect blending. This method transforms Lady Esther face powder into a delicate, tissue-like film of beauty for your skin. You'll see the difference the instant the puff touches your face. You'll see how little lines and blemishes disappear, how you suddenly look more youthful, more enchanting. Just try Lady Esther face powder and see for yourself. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players have planned a real radio surprise for you. They will present a great picture, Casablanca. It will star Paul Henreid, Ingrid Bergman, and Humphrey Bogart. Thank you. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Spencer Tracy and Katherine Hepburn each appeared on both variety and dramatic programs on radio. Variety shows often featured stars performing as themselves in some way, though most of these programs featured dramatic segments as well. Spencer Tracy typically performed in dramatic segments. He rarely participated in the banter between host and guest star. Tracy and or Hepburn were more often featured in straight dramatizations. Relux Radio Theater, Screen Guild Theater, and Theater Guild of the Air all broadcast these kinds of dramas and comedies. Many of these were based on films. Among the most interesting subgroup of these shows are those that feature actors in roles they did not play on the screen. Tracy, for example, appears in the George Brent role from Dark Victory, and also in Aerosmith. Anna Christie, and Men in White, all films in which he did not appear. Almost more intriguing for Hepburn fans is the fact that at least half of her 1930s films were performed on radio with other actresses in her part, some more than once. For instance, Loretta Young played Hepburn's role in both Holiday and in the 1940s film version of The Philadelphia Story. By the power vested in me by the Inkpot Saloon, I hereby dub Tess Harding, occasionally known as Tessie Cat, <laughs> former scourge of all mankind, as a newly elected member of the good old times, and welcome to the club. Come And the noise You want to go fishing Well hand me the reel I majored in poker So shut up and deal I'm one of the gals Who's one of the guys So put up your jukes And I'll blacken your eyes Behind all the Gucci The Gucci and pearls I'm one of the boys Although I'm one of the girls yeah! I'm one of the does Who's one of the stags I chuckle a bruise when I lose on the nags. Forget the max factor you find on my face. For barbershop fours, I'm a fabulous bird. one of the queens, who's one of the drones. Just hand me the dice and I'll rattle your bones. In spite of the dress, the finesse and the poise, I'm one of the girls, although I'm one of the boys. Well, hand me the reel. I majored in poker, so shut up and deal. I'm one of the gals who's one of the girls. So put up your jukes and I'll blacken your eyes. In spite of the dress, the finesse, and the boys, I'm one of the girls. One of the boys.
stroke with a varsity crew. You want to play snooker? Well, chalk up your cue. I'm one of the James, who's one of the Jones. Just hold what's the door while I bow to my nose. I've layers of lacquer, a lady enjoys. I've earrings and bracelets and various toys. But I love when I've slipped into ripped on a Theaters across the country need your support now. More than ever, we hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. (laughs) ¶¶